The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on High at Nine News are those of the individual speakers and not those of High at Nine News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. So silly. You put those, oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Happy, happy Monday. That's right. It is Monday, the most important day of the week. It's Monday, November 20th, and today is World Children's Day. It's National Absurdity Day, National Peanut Butter Fudge Day, and National Child's Day. I have no clue why it's National Child's Day and World Children's like, Day. It seems like those are both one, one and the same. Day. One and the same to me. But nonetheless, thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that QR code somewhere on your screen to find out where we live on the Internet. We are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And now we are also streaming, streaming to Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. So welcome to anyone joining us from any of those audiences and kicking it off today. That's right. We have the dope dad himself. It's Rico Lamite, who's been bebopping his way all the way through the morning look at that he's he's full of woo wops and doodads that's right it is the dope dad himself rico lameet such a dope i'm so not an adult um <laughs> getting things started this morning with an update on one of the biggest most important headlines from last week and absolutely shattered records across all social and traditional traditional media platforms and i think uh probably one of the most universally pressing issues that we've tackled in a long time on our program. Snoop Dogg announced last week that he was giving up smoke. <laughs> These stupid people. For those of you guys thinking that uh, everything was sweet, and for those of you that have been living under a rock with no idea what I'm talking about, Calvin Broadus, the rapper and entrepreneur known to many as Snoop Dogg, who's become the industry's, the you know, uh, defunct uh, elder statesman. Shocked the world last Thursday after he posted a black and white social media post announcing, after much consideration and conversation with my family, I've decided to give up smoke. Please respect my privacy at this time. I'm giving up smoke, he added in the caption. <laughs> Babies cried, women fainted, men rioted. <laughs> then there were those of us who knew that Snoop... <laughs> Being the marketing media savvy guy that he is, there was no way that he was going to be going on hiatus this close to Turkey Day. And just like that this morning, 
Senator Snoop Dogg announced it was indeed a marketing ploy. Snoop Dogg is hawking a smokeless fire pit brand. <laughs> it wasn't even a gummy, dude. <laughs> I can't believe that. But in the <laughs> press release uh, this morning, Snoop was quoted saying, I love a good fire outside, but the smoke. Oh, hell no! <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Oh. The fire. It uh, took out the smoke. They changed the game, and now I'm excited. Oh, hell no! <laughs> and stay warm, <laughs> my friends and family. I'm glad you guys are playing with my new buttons. Oh, boy. Pure chaos. Right, so for exactly. the article, under the new partnership, uh, the business mogul has indeed taken the reins of this company as its official smokesman. For the brand and full details on the collab, um, uh, they're all expected to be dropped this afternoon at 4.20 p.m. Eastern. Following Snoop's initial announcement Thursday, celebrities like Queen Latifah, Janae Aiko, Maya Rudolph all reached out publicly and showed their support in the comments. Venezuelan, Sela and, uh, Venezuelan singer and rapper Micro TDH, whoever that is, I don't know, uh, he chimed in saying, not smoking is the new smoking. Silly celebrities. But keen eyes around the globe noticed the announcement came just hours after he launched another product launch with Martha Stewart of their Best Bugs, Best Buds bags. A limited edition of high-end odor-proof crossbody bags that uh, the duo says has got it all. Ain't no way Uncle Snoop wasn't going to miss the opportunity of a good old-fashioned cross-sell, I'll tell y'all what. Snoop publicly quit back in 2002 on the Jimmy Kimmel Show, trying, uh, tying the move to his desire to be a more responsible father. Then he did it again 10 years later, April Fool's Day back in 2013, while going through his Snoop Lion Rastafarian phase. And now, just about 10 years again later, he's trolling the masses to sell us more Snoop-branded shit. I, for one, was not fooled because I choose to live by the advice I give you all regularly about following the money. But obviously, he made a fool out of the majority of you all, and for that, I am sorry. My name is Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. What do you guys think about this one? Another genius marketing Moved by the dog father. I know y'all gonna deny y'all were being fooled, but um, whatever. What do you think, Jason? I don't know. I told you genius. I wasn't fooled. I told yeah, you yeah. it was bullshit. Snoop genius. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> I called bullshit on that from the beginning. This man has said countless times that he is never going to stop using weed. Never. He has been one of the most famed faces of weed of all time. Like half of America pretty much lost their lunch when they saw his Instagram post, but they did. When you smoke with Snoop, you know he's not giving up. They did. <laughs> I, 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 a smokeless barbecue? I mean, is anyone actually going to buy a smokeless barbecue? Right. No. That just, that, no. I, I mean, mean, it just doesn't sound yeah. like a lot yeah. of fun. I mean, that's going to make one well, hell of a brisket, right? Well, here, no, it won't. That's my point. If you ever go to like a high-end high restaurant, you know, like in the wintertime when it gets cold and everything, even even out here, you know, especially in the desert and stuff, um, a lot of the high-end restaurants have these smokeless uh, barbecue pits, like already. Those, so the, you the, don't the, have smoke the, bellowing the, into the restaurant. Those aren't, those aren't smokeless barbecue pits, Rico. Yes, they are. You go those are like campfires. Those are campfires. Those are campfires. Well, that's pretty much what it is. That's, that's okay. much what it so looks is like. anybody going to talk about all the other brands that Snoop has launched that didn't work out? Is anyone going to talk about no, yeah. Oh, which no, ones, Mandy? I don't remember any of the names of any of them. I know. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 he still gets paid. I want to say 
It was either in Washington or Oregon. God, I can't. I'm going to Google it. Are you talking about Leafs by Snoop? Yeah, that is it. Was that Canada? That was a total yeah, flop. Yeah, Snoop has, Snoop has a longer list of endorsements than a CVS receipt. Like he has like Listen, so many companies, <laughs> so many companies that he has yes. been involved with. So like he, he's like the Samuel L. Jackson of um of endorsements. Period. He has so many. I mean, even he has, he like the Bollywood licensing, stuff. the licensing arrangements, and, and this isn't just exclusive to Snoop. This is, I mean, really we're talking about celebrity brands in general and maybe this is exclusive to california because we're just not really that impressed by celebrity stuff but like until i see a celebrity actually growing their own weed or formulating their own products or going into the stores as a sales rep for their own business i'm not buying it i feel like uh i feel like they 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 if if this company wanted a smokeless grill i think that they should have teamed up with george foreman as opposed to uh snoop dogg george foreman's grill man shout that out to the foreman really those things got so nasty man. hey but they they, they like sold they, they they sold and they did very very well yeah well, they were a household well, thing Snoop's more diversified than George yeah, yeah, but you can't have Snoop's endorsing something that's smokeless, bro. That's just that's just that's like bad for the brand. I mean, oh. it's an attention grab for sure. It's a play on words, is all it really is. It's a great little marketing. I mean, it worked. You know, it worked. We're talking you know, about no, it. No, no, I, I, I don't think worked, it. Right? I don't think it did work. I don't. I don't think it did work because I don't think people are going to be like, "Oh, that's so cool! I'm going to go and buy one now." People are like, "This is bullshit." Jason people are gonna be like this is fucking stupid they tried duping us who the hell wants a smokeless grill in the first place that's taking all the fun out of barbecuing that's that must be part of the new the green new deal or something that's part of the no woke agenda i think that's you it's not people no no yeah. it's part of the right wing's agenda for climax list congress okay climax <laughs> It's a hoax. It's a hoax. I mean, here's the thing. We're talking about it. So uh, to some degree, it worked, Working. right? And so, like, mm -hmm. I just wish that the world would follow me if I decide to stop brushing my teeth. Nobody writes about that. If I decide follow not me. to do it, like, nobody writes about that. So it, I really it think that... follows your stink-ass breath, man. Yeah, Yarrow, we're like, whoa. I thought that's why I was on two days a week now is because I was fresh and minty. I, just the fact that we're talking about it validates that he's got a big footprint, that people care what he does and doesn't do, whether he's coming, going, up, down, whatever. I mean, look, I, I think it worked. Whether Now, the question becomes, does the barbecue work? Is it worthy of Snoop's endorsement? If it's smacking, then great. If it's not, eh, that's too bad. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I don't I'm think not it really matters. Celebrity endorsements are just the worst, you guys. They really the are. And, and the thing, the thing I've seen in California is steady is uh, instead of like Mandy was saying, instead of any of these folks uh, who are celebrities who claim to love weed so much actually getting out there doing the work and heading the brand, they end up just shopping around this opportunity to pay them fifteen to twenty percent for all of your sales. Here's the thing we already know in California: if your weed's amazing, it's gonna sell. If your weed oh, yeah. sucks. It's not. So why do I need to, you know, we just got contacted by, I'm not going to say who, but a celebrity in the rap game. And they want 15% of our sales for this particular person to do their celebrity thing. And then the whole thing was like, 
Well, you know, uh, Performer X might come uh, to an event sometime, might not. He really just does whatever he wants to do. Uh, we'll give you the right to buy our, our branded uh, packaging from our guy at, at that price. And then you give us 15 to 20%. And we're like, D what do we get for that? We get nothing. And so what, what you get is you get people who really don't understand the weed game, who are in love with celebrity and love Excel spreadsheets. And then they end up committing to pay these guys 15 to 20%. When you put that extra 15 to 20% in the spreadsheet, it equals you can only buy shitty weed. And that's why Willie Nelson's brand and Snoop Dogg's old brand and Bob Marley's brand and Mike Tyson's brand and every one of these celebrity, Cheech and Chong's, Cheech brands, Chong's brand, and to the Cheech and Chong brand, they've all failed because you get these spreadsheet guys in. And I know this because I've been offered to be to do procurement for almost every one of these brands. They never hire me because the first thing I do, I come in, I show them actually good weed. They show me their spreadsheets. I explained to them the, the weed that they're going to be able to, to buy and how, sure, Tommy Chong is an amazing person. I met him. He's an amazing man. He radiates kindness to everyone. He's got time for everyone. That will get some people in the door to buy that box jar or bag one time. However, you open up that bag and you see this $300 outdoor that was grown up here in Windsor in the ground using ag chemicals and no flush, and it burns like smoking a house key. And guess what? Now I know that that picture like of Tommy Chong means key. don't smoke that weed. And so wait, 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 that celebrity look down. may get you right. may get you a customer in the door once, but as it always goes, it's the quality of your right. cannabis that causes repeat buyers. Well, but would you buy? But would you buy? It is not just it's not a like a like a grill, Jason. It is like it's an outdoor. It's an outdoor. Um, um, it's a fire. Uh, I mean, if it's no smoke, you can do that shit indoors. Who cares? Fire is no, no. Carbon monoxide will kill you. Don't listen to Jason, you guys. My question is this. Yeah. Would okay, you go buy, ahead. Would you buy an outdoor, you know, smoke pit, a high end, like, like, like smokeless uh, outdoor, you know, like a little mini bonfire like this? Would you buy it for your mansion? <laughs> no, hold no. on. I, Bro, I, I won't even spend two hundred and twenty bucks on that other smoke ring. You know that outdoor smoke ring fire pit, the first one that came out. They got a Costco yeah. now. Yeah. Cheapskate, bro. I'll just make a pile of sticks and clean out the area around it. I'll grab some river rocks from down the street, and I'm good to go. I feel like you guys missed who, uh, because Matthew Saint Germain gave us a very good clue as to who that celebrity licensing deal would have been, and I can't believe all you guys just glazed over it because he basically told us exactly who it was. He said, Matthew St. Germain, correct me if I'm wrong, you said that this celebrity does what they want when they want, correct? That is true. All right, so then that means that you are putting together a licensing deal with none other than the Honey Badger himself. I don't know who the hell that is, dude. You don't know who the I honey badger is? I thought I was the honey is? badger. Are you serious? I thought that was me. Before I did. The, the honey badger, they, they do what they want. They fuck, they, they, they just, they, they don't care about shit. They just do whatever the hell they want. I can't no, believe you don't, don't know, know about the honey badger, bro. Are you serious? I've, I've been under a rock for the last thousand years, Jay. Uh, uh, oh Adam, God. can you show him the video of the honey badger? Next story. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, we're we're going to come back. We're going to show you. We're going to go to a commercial and we're going to show you this video of the honey badger in, in just a minute. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out.
Adam, Adam, Adam's getting, Adam, Adam's getting the clip ready. Adam's getting the clip ready. I can't believe you don't know. Yeah, boy. All kinds of like stuff it. going on over there. Huh? Yeah, boy. <laughs> got your early, early holiday present soundboard going on over there. <laughs> Well, we're waiting for that uh, clip to load up by Adam. We're going to keep things rolling here yeah, with the uh, the man known for smoking the best weed in the world, but also for his unwavering support of those who say things one day and they do things the next day. I'm not going to go further than that because I'm not going to give them any more credits. Y'all know who it is. Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Oh, man, man, man. Big, 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 sad, sad news for you guys today. That's right. The biggest pot distributor in California has collapsed. This spring, rumors were swirling that Herbal, one of the company's largest cannabis distribution companies, was on the verge of collapse. So, Mike Boudry, the company's CEO, sent out an email on May 18th declaring that, in quotes, these rumors are categorically not true. Herbal continues to be fully operational. Less than a month later, Herbal had completely collapsed. Herbal's failure left a trail of damage that hurt small pot brands and shattered state, shattered the state, and excuse me, shorted the state some $17 million in unpaid taxes. Herbal is the is is only the latest high-flying California pot startup to crumble. Following companies like Flocana, which raised $175 million in capital, only to collapse, and MedMen, the California startup that earned a billion-dollar valuation, calling itself the Apple Store of Weed, uh, to find itself this year on the brink of financial ruin. In a quote, I do feel like we're going to see a significant and material number of closures up and down the supply chain, Wesley Hine, the president of Cannabis Distribution Association, told the SF Gate. And observers in the industry say that Herbal's demise shows how cannabis companies in California are forced to abide by a more difficult set of rules than other industries. They also argue that, that if Herbal were a different type of company, the state government would have stepped in to save it. Tyler Kearns, the founder and CEO of Seven Leaves, a Sacramento-based cannabis company, said said it felt sickening in the moment in June when he learned that Herbal had finally bit the dust. Kearns said Herbal owed Seven Leaves $880,000, so when he found out in June that the company had started laying off delivery drivers, he realized it was going to be almost impossible to get that money back. In quotes, I knew this was going to be the biggest failure in the U.S. cannabis history, Kearns told SFGate. California Weed Market, a 2022 report, estimated that the industry was sitting on over $600 million in debt, and it eventually became too much for Herbal to handle. Rumors started spreading that the uh, distribution company, which had a reputation for paying producers no matter what, was no longer doing so. The panic led even more brands to leave the platform. Boudry's uh, Herbal CEO, uh, tried to stem the tide that was crashing against his company by writing his May 18th letter. He admitted that Herbal had missed payments to some of its suppliers, but assured customers that, in quotes, we fully expect the current situation to be temporary. The letter did uh, did little to, uh, to uh, massage concerns, yet more brands left the company and some called on retailers to stop paying Herbal and instead pay the cannabis brands directly. The final blow came on June 20th 
when MJ Biz Daily reported that the company's main lender, East West Bank, had canceled Herbal's line of credit, effectively turning off the company's flow of cash and plunging California's biggest pot distributor into receivership. That's left cannabis brands looking for money they may never receive. Ali Jamilian, one owner of San Francisco cannabis Sunset Connect, said he is owed $180,000 by Herbal. Like, uh, like Kearns, he said he has little hope of getting it back, and Jamillion said he felt used by Herbal because he launched with the company in January of this year, just as, in, in, in hindsight, it appears the company was crumbling. But, said the distributor, uh, obscured its poor financial position and reportedly assured Jamillion that the company was on firm financial footing. Mike Boudry, uh, Herbal CEO, and his team did a really good job of hiding the fact from their own brands. That's how they kept getting our products, Jamillion told SFGate. And Jamillion sued Boudry and other executives at Herbal in June, uh, accusing them of fraud and entering into contracts with Sunset Connect, even though the distributor had no intention of ever paying. Boudry and Herbal did not respond to multiple SF uh, gate requests for comment, and Herbal currently owes at least $2.2 million in various pop brands and is owed $1.9 million by various retailers who failed to pay the distributor, according to an overview of the company's assets that was posted online by its receiver and viewed by SF Gate. But later taken down, the company's assets were auctioned off to the highest bidder in September in a move that reflects the bleak legal cannabis economy in California. Herbal's most valuable single asset was the rights to its lawsuit against Raw Garden, which its receiver estimated is worth between $20 million and $40 million. Well, 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 what do y'all think about this? The crumble of herbal distribution. This is Jason Beck for the High at 9 News. What do y'all think? C-R-M-B-L. Crumble. Oh, that's cute. I mean, I'll kick this off. Look, I mean, I'm really sad about what happened to Herbal. It's hard for me to see how this is still news. It feels like this is six months ago news. But for the fact that I think their receivership and some of these other processes have recently just gotten completed, it's interesting because when they were in receivership, the lawsuit was an asset that could be purchased separately, which I thought was pretty interesting, that that they feel that there's so much there there that they would monetize and assign a value to a lawsuit that's not completed and offer that up to somebody. Um, I think you gotta be a pretty interesting character to wanna go around and buy half-baked lawsuits and bring them to completion. It's not like a half-baked pizza where you pick it up and then you just bring it home and stick it in the oven to finish it off for 15 minutes. Uh, I think that, I, you know, I have nothing against Mike and I, I like some of the founders over there, the, 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 the legacy founders, Nick, Justin, you know, Herbal had really some great uh, people who came from the space. Um, And, and, and if you make a statement about how your company is in pretty good shape very shortly before it implodes, my concern is always it's the cover up, not the crime, right? Like you could have a company where you're not doing that great, but if you make statements that are directly in opposition to the facts, that can be a really, really, really bad thing. Um. And then it respects to sort of like, what are the reasons why it went down? Um, You know, I do some training on the cannabis banking side. And so there's a lot I can't say. But what I can say is what I've read in the newspapers and has been published, which is that their bank started to call uh, for about a half a million dollars in monthly payments, either because they weren't 
servicing their line of credit slash loan or they weren't maintaining the liquidity requirements uh, of that deal. Um, and when somebody says, okay, you owe me an extra half a million dollars a month and steps on your neck pretty hard, that's not easy for any business to, to come to come back from. So it's interesting because we claim that we want a, a healthy banking relationship with financial institutions for this industry. And we do, but healthy also means probably there shouldn't be terms in there where they can really step on your neck and, and, and choke you out. I feel really bad for Seven Leaves. Uh, great brand, thoroughly enjoyed them. Ollie's brand, San Francisco, love them too. So some really great brands were 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 were, I don't want to say the victims of, but were 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 heavily that's, impacted in terms of their the ability right to bounce back. That's the right word. That's a word I would use, Yaro. Absolutely, they were victims. And when something is going on behind closed doors, and you're willingly taking in other people, knowing that your business is struggling and not being transparent, like that's. That's, that's a victim situation. Mm -hmm. And whether it was intended to be that way or not, I don't think it was malicious. I don't think that. I think Mike and his team are wonderful men. This is a really hard industry to navigate. They had very big shoes that they were trying to wear. And it's a very, I have so much empathy for what they tried to do. They really tried to build something important. They really tried to stand on the fact that they would take in inventory and pay the brands in advance for that inventory. That was right. They did a lot of right things. They brought a lot of right skills into the lane. The lane is fucked up. It has all kinds of weird off-roads and unexpected stops in the middle of the freeway. And it's just like messed up. So am I saying that they made all these right decisions and still ended up on the wrong side of the track? No, they definitely made some wrong decisions and they continued to go down the rabbit hole with other brands when they knew they were up shit creek. But like right now, I feel bad for them in a way. I feel even more bad for the, or that's poor grammar, but I feel more badly for the, the brands that were affected. Some of them I worked with very closely in a consultation manner and they were devastated. I won't even tell you the dollar amount that they were devastated by. This is catastrophic in so many more ways than just herbal. And also I just want to put out there that like this industry, we do really good with PR so good at talking about what we do and myself included i'm gonna put myself out there too really good about advertising the cool shit that i'm doing really good about it but are we walking the walk and that's all i'm gonna say verbal you did go out there for two years or so straight you got up on stages you told all of us that you knew what you were doing none of us really know because no one's done it before there hasn't been a successful person at this yet we're all still figuring it out. So just be careful. I feel, when you bad. I feel bad for East West Bank. And let me tell you why. Really? I don't know how you come back Yara. from an account experience like this. Of course you feel bad for the bank. Ever, I don't know how you ever position yourself as an ally to industry if you were a part, if you were a catalytic influence on, on causing a massive and important company in the industry to go down the tubes. I don't know how you get back from this. I don't know how you say we want to cater to this industry. Trust us. Let us be a partner. Let us be your source of funds. I don't know how East West, did they do the calculus on how much they would lose versus how much they would gain and how they would ever be able to enroll anybody in the regulated cannabis industry to want to work with them. Mm -hmm. Big banky yeah. Kubrin. I can tell you, I can tell you, you know, I, I think, I think herbal was a victim of, of, of the same practices that have been going on since two fifteen. 
And uh, I'm going to speak about this, and I'm not going to say all dispensaries. There are some dispensaries or stores that are good, that pay COD and or pay their bills on time and in a timely manner and are transparent. However, a good 90-plus percent of these stores have been operating on the same model since the beginning of the 215 era, which is take a farmer's uh, weed that they worked hard as hell to, to make, sell them its crap, pitch them down on the price as low as they can. The moment that farmer leaves, all of a sudden this becomes prestige product, and you got to pay top dollar for it. And when it comes time for the farmer to roll around and collect, there's always a story about why it didn't work out. We got raided. And really, I think a lot of it was those initial DEA and local raids where they wouldn't charge anybody and they'd take all the product. It really allowed them to the stores to understand this model of just basically copping out and saying, hey, this thing happened. We ain't got your shit. What are you going to do? And that's paid, played forward. And I know this from several different people who had brands that they were already owed a ton of money. They tried to kind of reform, and then when we had the the BLM times and all those break-ins, a lot of the stores used, the, used that moment uh, to default on their loans, and so Herbal really got caught holding this bag where they had paid so much for all this product, and the stores were paying for them. And, and it just continues to end around to the same problem over and over, that the stores have been the problem since the beginning. Yep. Their business practices have been largely unethical, and that's why we see all of these brands, almost every brand I know that's entered into the legal market is owed money by multiple stores. And, and it's really, you know, it's just kind of a ridiculous thing. Until we open this up and there's more fair competition in the store side, these guys can do nearly anything they want because there's there's nothing you can do to displace them. Yeah, and uh, and and on and on that on on that point, Matthew Saint Germain, the article did point out that that Herbal owes about two point two million, and that its receivables from retailers are about one point eight million. So that's that that just about covers that. It's gnarly, man. Yes, but uh, I, th- I, I think I, do we have the video queued up, Adam? Do we have the video oh, queued for up? The honey badger? Oh yeah, you see this. You. you see this. We've been watching the honey badger, okay. my friend Jay. All right, all right. Like the last ten minutes. You see that's my badger? that's my spirit badger, animal there. Honey badger don't give a shit. Okay. That's right. Honey badger does not care. All right, just goes up there, just king cobra snake, just takes it out. Ba 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 ba, takes it out. Don't care about bees, nothing like that. He's a tough tough little cookies there he is digging for earthworm castings for his uh, new brand right there exactly (laughs) all of our all of our inputs are organically sourced oh yeah we feed our plants nothing but we feed our plants nothing but chewed up cobras exactly and hand sourced earthworm castings Mm -hmm. from honey badgers allowing them to move about freely (laughs) yeah the biggest thing we need to do is we need to rewrite this whole store philosophy we need to open up more stores and we really need to start holding these stores accountable because they do continue to just run through everybody's product oh and that's the thing other thing i was going to say we see them doing the same thing to the state of california a lot of these stores and getting totally trounced because uh, when they move the excise tax collection to the stores from the distros a huge amount of the stores started doing the same thing to the state of California they'd done to the farmers and just be like, yo, we don't got your tax money. Yeah, but isn't it, However, isn't it better for the stores the to do it Cali- to the state of California than it is to do the farmers? Oh, it is, and it's hilarious because unlike the farmers, the state of California comes with the DCC and they take your safe and they take all the money out of your till and they just roll you up because you can't not pay the state. Mm-hmm. But it's just interesting to see that like over 50% of dispensaries in California have paid no excise tax. 25% have paid all, and then that other 25% have paid some portion and are in negotiations with the state. So you're talking about over half of the stores are trying this model of just not paying their debts in order to continue moving forward. And I, I just don't see how that's tenable in any way. I think part of it is that some of these stores didn't intend to not pay their debts. It's that when their cost of capital is so high, sometimes people think it's better to push off paying their taxes and just take those fines 
than it is to have to pay them in a timely fashion because they're already paying so much for funds unless those are unless that's income that they're applying to it. So there's been this sort of uh, uh, and then distributors obviously are supposed to pay other people's tax liability. And now with hindsight, we can see how that wasn't necessarily the maybe. And the moment you don't pay your taxes uh, with the DCC, they double. Yeah. If you are 25 and you and you default a day, it becomes 50. Plus interest. Yeah, they don't. They, they, they don't play. They do not play at all. But we got to keep this train Insane. moving. We're going to move right on to Miss Mandy Tingler. <laughs> She's a mom and a cannabis executive who wants to show you how motherhood and a cannabis lifestyle all can go hand in hand, and like peaches and pie. That's right. It is none other than Miss Mandy Tingler. Good Monday morning, everybody. I hope you're all getting your stretchy pants and sweatpants ready for Thanksgiving. I know I am. <laughs> oh, boy. I got my morning pants, my midday pants, and then my, like, dessert pants. <laughs> all right. Well, today my story comes from the lovely state of Missouri. Says Missouri revokes license of marijuana company at center of major recall. Missouri regulators revoked manufacturing license of Delta Extraction, which made infused THC goods that led to the recent recall of more than 60,000 products and millions of dollars in lost sales and inventory for retailers and brands. Missouri Division of Cannabis Regulation also, also accused Delta Extraction of additional violations on top of the initial accusation that the company violated the rules by using out-of-state hemp-derived THCA to manufacture infused products destined for Missouri store shelves, according to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. THCA, when heated, of course, turns to THC. Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services said in a news release this thir last Thursday that the license revocation would take effect on December 2nd. While Delta Extraction's use of out-of-state cannabis in our regulated system has been well publicized and is a critical issue, ECR also found numerous other violations of rules at this facility. <clears throat> this comes from Amy Moore, which is the agency's director. The DCR new allegations against Delta Extraction also include failure to comply with seed-to-sale tracking requirements and falsifying traceability data, failure to ensure all marijuana products from its facility were compliantly tested, and failure to properly secure marijuana products and maintain required security equipment. Market upheaval dates to August with the DHSS recalled 62,000 edibles, vape pens, and other products that contained distillate manufactured and sold by Delta Extraction and its affiliates. Missouri regulators suspended the company's business license on August 2nd. An attorney for Delta Extraction said in a statement that the state's actions were, quote, illegal and unfounded. The issue stems from Delta using legal hemp products in its legal marijuana products. This comes from their attorney. His name is Chuck Hatfield. He cited internal state documents in which a Missouri compliance officer noted supervisor who was a, who notified supervisor that she believed the company was processing legal products. Rich Krismer, a spokesperson for Delta Extraction, 
I believe he is their head of marketing, uh, did not seem to respond to MJ Biz Daily about this particular incident. But man, these are some pretty hefty allegations and definitely not one that I would want to be in a newspaper about my business. So folks, this is Monday morning. We got some heavy topics today, but what do you think about this one? This is Carmen Sacramento coming at you live. So they so they rejected their license. Do they have any recourse to try to get this back, or are they just basically screwed and SOL out of luck? I mean, it, it, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of recourse. The lawyer's obviously involved here, so there's some kind of action being taken. They're probably going to hash it out in court somewhere and see what happens. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, right? People have recourse, but I think it also depends on how much exposure they have, right? And so if they've falsified documents, their recourse might be to just be like, okay, thank you, and scurry off, right? So I think that they're probably figuring out what their exposure is and 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 reconciling that relative to the recourse they have on paper to fight or to you know, sue like every, every day on this show, we, we, we cover somebody's new lawsuit, but those people who take to courts for equitable remedies typically need to be coming into those with clean hands. And if they don't have clean hands, I doubt they're going to want to fight too much. <laughs> yes. Agreed. I, I agree with you on that. Yarl. I, I think, I think that's what is ultimately is going to come down to uh, in, in regards with this. But you, you have any comments? You know, and the other thing also is like, what's that What's that fine line between civil versus criminal, right? When is falsifying records uh, somebody just painting outside the lines to enrich themselves versus um, create, breaking laws that, that, that carry with them more exposure? Uh, certainly most people's E&O <laughs> insurance doesn't, doesn't cover just falsification and fraud. I think this brings up other questions, too, or at least things that are going to probably give some food for thought to several of the folks out there. Because let's be really honest, we're not naive to the fact that THCA is being sold all over the place. And what happens when you heat it up? It becomes THC. And we're all like surprised that this is happening like it's so silly to be regulating this the way that we are in the first place. I won't even go down that rabbit hole. But like, this is something that People are now losing their licenses for it don't think it can't happen to you just don't think it can't happen to you is all i'm saying be careful make good choices for your business and yourself so 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 true and on that we gotta go to a commercial we're gonna be right back the control tower from highly educated has perfected the dab utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation you can waste none of it and taste all of it the micro texture of the se pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures and with the tower propelling at 2600 rpms it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date the control tower from highly educated oh yeah stop whatever you're doing make sure you hit that like button i know we'll appreciate it you'll appreciate it and even youtube definitely appreciates it also make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not subscribed already we would really appreciate that and all the articles that we cover today you can find on our website at www.hyatt9news.com and there you can read all of the full articles of everything that we sit here and discuss and talk about today except for the honey badger
I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, Yee! yeah. You know what it is. We just stretched and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Yee! Yeah, yeah, everyone loves a good strip club buffet, DJ. Okay, I don't care about the DJ. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Coming up next, it is the immortal one himself. That's right. He has walked the planet for thousands upon thousands of years and is still here to grace us with his presence. That's right. It is the Count himself, Mr. Matthew St. Germain. Thanks, Brother Jay. Was that pretty Thanks strip clubbish for you? That was very nice. Thank okay. you so much. All right. Perfect. Yeah, I, I, uh, Catch me at uh, the new strip club. I can't give you the name. Maybe you can get it from Jason later. Uh, taking ones, fives, and uh, I've got a little square reader. So. By the card, <laughs> we're going to be making money, y'all. You don't take 20s or uh, Cal so I'll take all of it, brother. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> uh, back on track here. This is a concerning story, and it's a little bit, uh, it's, a, it's got a little bit of mystical questions in it. California agency warns some legal cannabis products could be adulterated. California's cannabis regulator, that awesome DCC, has issued an embargo on several cannabis products, claiming that three batches of legal weed products may have been adulterated. According to a November 9th warning letter obtained by SFGate and sent to companies whose products are affected. A spokesperson for the California Department of Cannabis Control confirmed the embargo to SFGate, saying the products are suspected of being dangerous to consume. November 9th letter references that California legal code would explains products that are suspected of being adulterated may contain poisonous or deleterious substances. The DCC, however, declined to provide any more information regarding this embargo. DCC is currently investigating the facts and circumstances related to these products to determine the appropriate next steps, including whether a recall is necessary, said David Hafner, a spokesperson for the agency in an email to SFGate. State law requires that legal cannabis products pass safety tests before they're sold to the public. The required tests include screening for pesticides, mold, and heavy metals. These tests are conducted by third-party labs licensed by the DCC. A product embargo issued by the DCC requires cannabis businesses to stop selling any affected products and put them aside. It may not be removed or disposed of so the DCC can go through them and see what is going on. Now, the strange thing about this is all of these products were tested already and then this embargo happened, so we're kind of wondering why this happened. SFGate decided to publish the names of the, of the affected products as well as their batch ID numbers, and, and that would be Sharkbite from Pacific Chemistry. It's a pre-roll. West Coast Cures Biscotti Disposable Vape Pen and Crew Cannabis' Mai Tai Disposable Vape Pen. SFGate contacted three companies, has not gotten commented this time. Uh, however, SFGate also found that they were able to purchase one of these products, the Crew Cannabis Mai Tai Vape Cartridge at Boomerang Cannabis in San Francisco after the embargo, and the store didn't really want to talk about the uh, details what and or why. Um, there's no bulletin on the DCC site regarding these products, so it may be that this has happened before and they've never publicized it. 
Seems a little counterintuitive to public safety. Uh, Zachary Eisenberg, a vice president at San Francisco's Anresco Labs, which is also a DCC-licensed cannabis lab, said the state should absolutely be making these embargo notices public. They should really be making it public to everybody, so if someone had already purchased these products, they would, not know, they would know not to consume them, Eisenberg told SFGate. Eisenberg blamed the DCC for not effectively enforcing testing rules. He said it was concerning that the state has not issued more product recalls despite rampant allegations of fraud in the state's safety testing. Uh, Eisenberg says, we've had cannabis companies where we would advise that we found a failing pesticide and they would just say, we're going to go have this batch tested at another lab where we know it will pass. It's not a question of if it happens. It's a question of how much it happens. Um, this is really concerning to me and really the lack of, of clear information uh, on, on what's going on and how these things made it through one safety test and yet were recalled is just confusing as can be to me. Also, the fact that it's two vape pens and a pre-roll, I thought maybe it would be a, a late uh, embargo, a late recall due to vape pen hardware. But if there's a pre-roll involved a, a, as well, I'm just clueless. What do you all, uh, my fellow correspondents here, have to say? This is St. Germain for the Hyatt 9 News, wondering what the hell's going on with this. Was it, uh, Is there I'm, any what... chance that this all comes from the same crop somehow? Well, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, what we have is a real uh, absence of information, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Maybe well, one part was pushed into a pre-roll and the other parts were pushed out to manufacturing for vapes. Well, I did hear uh, I did I did hear that the DCC uh, 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 took a bunch of products off the shelf because they had uh, been made with uh, uh, what, what, what's what, I, what what's the word? But basically with uh, with, with distillate that was love. derived derived from hemp as opposed to actually cannabis derived. Oh right! Yes. You can't do that in California. And, you can't. And, and, you can't bring hemp into the THC supply and, chain. And, and I'm willing to bet that someone bought someone bought some some of these leaders, and they didn't realize it. And boom! Now their products are getting recalled because uh, they weren't all the way through the supply gotcha. chain. That that's my guess. That's an educated guess, but who knows? I could be wrong. Then what about the pre-roll? Or do you think it's an well? That, that, that pre-roll was probably an infused pre-roll. I guess I guess it must have been, although it didn't say. Yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing, right? There's no standardization around testing, and and we can lament that, but we also at the same time lament governments' needless interference in telling us how to regulate an industry. So I think we have different ways of looking at the fact that there's no standardized approach to to lab testing, and we can say on the one hand, standardization would probably be very beneficial. We'd have yes. some. Homo homoge homogeneity around how things get done. And on the other hand, we've had government telling us how to do everything, including where to put the staple in a stack of papers for a really long time. It's also interesting that Ernesto is talking about this because while they are definitely a stakeholder, they've also prevailed over contaminated product that got into the regulated supply chain from them, mm -hmm. right? So it's great that they want change for everybody and uh, they've had their own missteps. And so let's keep it 100% here and point that out. Uh, I, I think that the challenge is, is that we don't know what the contamination is, where it's from, whether it affected these different form factors, because as Mandy speculated, it's from a bad batch of flour. And as uh, Matthew St. Germain pointed out, it's really hard to find the contaminated hardware in a pre-roll. I just broke one open. I still can't find it. So for us to figure out where it comes from, we just don't have enough news with this. Um, I also don't necessarily think that it's a great look for a testing lab to be publicly criticizing the DCC. I mean, I, I would publicly criticize anybody for anything after I had exhausted my other ways 
of trying to criticize, typically behind closed doors or with a suggestion letter or a white paper or something that I could get a trade industry group to co-sign and say, yes, we think this is a better way of doing business. And so while the DCC has no lack of reasons why it could or should be criticized, I always question why somebody's trying to put somebody on front street. And typically I would hope that that's a final resort and that they had already come up with ways to sort of constructively support regulators by giving them uh, some suggestions. And I'm not sure that that happened either. Oh, no. But I do want to say shout out to El Guap because he says the honey badger doesn't derive THC from hemp. <laughs> Guapo's been crushing the chat today. <laughs> yeah. dude. It's just everything. I've been doing everything I can not to just die laughing. Yes. No, Did you see Philip Zimmerman said what a honey badger do a honey dabber if a honey dabber couldn't be a honey couldn't be honey badgered. That's cute. I oh, like it. yeah. <laughs> honey badger. This, the mascot of today's show getting ready for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and we are going to thank you so much for that. Matthew St. Germain is fascinating fascinating story and we're going to keep this moving right on in to the florida man himself that's right who is stuck in sonoma that's right he does cannabis real estate and cannabis real estate that's right it is none other than mr yarrow kubrin Good Monday morning to all of our Hyatt 9 News viewers. Yaro Kubrin here. Super happy to be here this morning, kicking off our Thanksgiving week. And of course, my article includes a zoning aspect because I can't be anything but me. I'm going to try to read it pretty quick because uh, it's a long article. Uh, and I hope you'll enjoy and follow along with me. So, <clears throat> ducks and cannabis converge in Essex Junction lawsuit pitting state against city. Struthers says the city is out of its jurisdiction by trying to regulate his ducks. State law says municipalities cannot regulate agricultural practices. Local officials claim they aren't regulating Struthers farming, just where he can have his ducks. <laughs> Essex Junction. Bright bracelets hang on the wire doors to Jason Struthers' duck coop. They're relics of a time before neighborly relationships on the small cul-de-sac close to Essex High School turned sour. Since last summer, Struthers has had his license to grow cannabis in his backyard on Taft Street, where he also farms vegetables and raises some 30 ducks. The ducks provide eggs, which he sells along with the cannabis and veggies and manure to fertilize the strain. He sells the cannabis to about a dozen dispensaries or bracelets on the coop that came from two girls next door who used to play with the birds, he says. But the situation around Struthers, his weed and his ducks has evolved into yelling matches, lawsuits, letters to legislators, and a neighborhood on edge. Local officials and neighbors tried in August to shut down the cannabis operation before admitting they had little remedy to fight Struthers' Tier 1 state license. Local officials later renewed the license. And then on September 21st, the city's Development Review Board voted to prohibit Struthers from having ducks in a residential area. The case over his half-acre plot could pit state against local jurisdiction and call into question the implications of recent statewide housing initiatives. Late last month, Struthers filed a lawsuit contesting the review board's decision, claiming only the state can regulate agriculture. He claims in his suit he's designated as a farm by the state and therefore the city can't regulate his ducks. Struthers sees his farming as a right and a way of life. He suffered a skydiving injury in 2011, he said, that left him disabled, and farming is the only work he can see himself doing. That was just an instrumental part of my recovery, he said. The land he farms is where he grew up, where both his parents died, he said. His neighbors and local officials see it differently. 
It's more him putting up his middle finger to everybody, said Jason Hemingway, whose backyard border struthers, characterizing the cannabis growing. The review board's September decision came after Stefan and Sharon Padnos, neighbors of Struthers, appealed a previous decision allowing his dust. In a September 21st review board meeting, officials ruled that Struthers is not allowed to have ducks on his property because he lives in an R1 residential area. Board members have also said the right to enforce zoning laws about livestock while acknowledging the regulation of cannabis was a separate matter. Struthers says the city is out of its jurisdiction by trying to regulate his ducks. State law says municipalities cannot regulate agricultural practices. And local officials claim they aren't regulating Stafford's farming just where he can have his ducks. Struthers' case could set up a legal precedent for other ambiguities between the state and local regulations. And for Struthers, regulation of his ducks seems like a de facto regulation of his weed growing. The manure for his ducks, as fertilizer, is crucial to his strain, he said. Duck manure can't, doesn't need to be fermented or composted, explains Struthers. It's really beneficial, and it saves a lot of labor. Sparring labor makes a big, <laughs> sparing labor makes a big difference for him. When Struthers sustained his spinal cord injury, he was laid up for a couple years and unable to do anything. Before the injury, he was skydiving instructor for 20 years, he said, with 5,500 dives and 130 base jumps. Since then, farming has been a way for Struthers to cope. It's like the discipline of it. When you've got a good shattered spine, when you've got a shattered spine, it's easy to say, oh, I don't feel good. I don't want to do my PT right now. But when you're going to die because you don't do your chores, you have to do it. Growing cannabis was a dream of his, he said. When he was growing up, he had a blood vessel wrapped around his intestines that made it hard for him to eat, he said. Something only smoking weed relieved. It was the first time I actually felt hunger in probably four years, he said. It was just an amazing event for me. Clashes with neighbors have been ongoing. Struthers claims he's been reported for an unregistered vehicle, been the subject of unreasonable noise complaints, and had neighbors send the fire department to his house. Struthers hasn't been a saint, neighbors claim. In city council review board meetings, neighbors have mainly complained about the noise of Struthers' ducks, the smell of his cannabis and manure, and his proximity to Essex High School. In response, city council president so-and-so wrote to state representatives on behalf of the city council on the council last month, urging them to amend the state cannabis laws and allow municipalities to zone cannabis growing. The council echoed concerns of Struthers' neighbors, claiming the in the letter that he operates within 500-foot buffer of a school property, a reference to regulations that apply only to cannabis retailers, not growers. The letter also singled out Government Phil's, Governor Phil Scott's June signing of S-100, also known as the HOME Act, a bill aimed at creating more affordable housing by rolling back certain local development restrictions. The HOME Act, among other things, effectively legalizes the development of duplexes anywhere residential proper development is allowed. It paves the way for increased density where properties are served by municipal water and sewer infrastructure. The act has already drawn criticism that it is a state effort to supersede local Who's zoning. Problems like those around Struthers' property could intensify oh. if developers take advantage oh. of the home act so yeah let's cut it short what do you guys have to say about ducks and zoning i mean this is this support is home scary. duck ownership this is this is great this is such a classic classic vermont Fucking news story shitty. right here this is you can't make it up no exactly exactly okay i mean first real quick where is this guy's farm located? What this state? This is this is in Vermont. This is in Vermont, Essex Junction. Vermont. Okay, yes. I don't have to worry about. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> oh my God, this is hilarious. Like, and also petty. Like, this just seems so petty. How many ducks? Thirty. Thirty offending when you were making ducks. ducks. Thirty ducks. Not even that many ducks. 
and so and he uses uh he uses duck castings in his soil. Am I am I correct on that, Yaro? <laughs> duck guano. Yes. Ducks are <laughs> ducks are important to his strain. They're uh, important. very important. Mm-hmm. Duck terps. Mm-hmm. For shitty duck terps. I don't think oh, he's taking responsibility. It's We're just a little duckie. What's that? Does he have Ooh, does he have a Smalls brand called Quackers? <laughs> I'm just... He's competing against oh. cookies. Yes. Yeah. No. Yes. It's, uh... Yes. Is Quackers, because you'll get less crumbs in your bed. Oh God. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, and to be fair, it is a known therapeutic benefit that skydiving injury recovery is uh, helped by at least a, a, a twenty-five duck count at home, and so. Well, <laughs> well, hold on. Well, well, well. In, in all fairness, in all fairness, uh, Vermont Alternative says that Essex is one of the most populous towns in Vermont, and that thirty ducks is a bit ridiculous to have in a uh, in a cul-de-sac in Essex Junction. Though, in in all fairness, he's saying. Oh, okay. So we're talking residential. We're talking so more we more more, more suburbanite area we, of Essex Junction. It sounds the like there's size, lots of neighbors. Duck setback. Okay. It is true that that feathered uh, animals can be a, a, a vector for vermin. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. what if it's what if it's a cul-de-sac and each each parcel's fifty acres on the cul-de-sac? It's not. It, it's, not it's, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. He's saying it's very. That's not. It's R one. R one is dense yeah. residential. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not. I don't think that this guy's right in doing what he's doing in a in a residential area. That there's a general assumption of not doing that sort of thing and it's it really does end up causing issues with rodents and all kinds of other matters mm-hmm. i mean not to mention like if your ducks are flying back uh, like leaving and coming back at all like shitting in no, other he, said, he said he's got his ducks in a row in a row uh, i was yes. waiting for that then, oh god i can't mm-hmm. wah, wah, wah. Yep. <laughs> Where's that sound effect? And, 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 there it is. And, and and Guap is back at it again. Yeah, Even the honey badger knows that the land use ordinances in exit in Essex specify less than twelve ducks. Even the honey badger knows that, <laughs> according to Guapotron. But that was that was a fantastic story, uh, Yaro. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm gonna go into my very, very, very last story real quick for you guys before we close out this show. It's a very it's it's a short one. It's a short one for you guys. A dispensary, a popular shop selling CBD and THC products in Des Moines, has been suspended by the state from selling consumable hemp products for 30 days. That's right. The Iowa Department of Health and Human Services wrote in a letter sent to uh, sent to the dispensary on November 14th that the suspension was due to the business selling non-conforming products at its Court Avenue store and online. The department will also not consider approving consumable CBD and THC products for the dispensary's planned second location, on Ingersoll until its current Court uh, Court Avenue location is under compliance, according to the letter, which the department shared with Axios. Yes, but 
Dispensary's Chief Operating Officer Sabrina Bageldorf tells Axios its products all conform with the state's guidelines and there's been a lack of communication from the HHS. Iowa strictly regulates adult-use cannabis, but some hemp products are legal as long as the THC is capped at 0.3%. That's created confusion and a gray area as loopholes have helped Delta 8 and Delta 9 products become more popular and there are still conflicting rules between the state and federal laws. Retailers that sell consumable hemp such as Delta 9 gummies and cannabis-infused drinks are required to annually to send their product list to the state for approval. And on August 23rd, uh, the dispensary sent a list for review according to the suspension letter and the state declined multiple hemp-based flower products on the list because they did not meet the state's testing requirement for consumable hemp. The dispensary removed those products from the list and the store's registration was approved on August 31st. On September 2nd, the dispensary tried to get flower products approved again, but the state suspension letter noted dispensary sent duplicate documents that were already not approved. On September 30th, state officials found the dispensary was selling the unapproved flower products resulting in the suspension, and the dispensary has continually failed to comply with Iowa law as demonstrated by multiple historical actions against the registrants, the letter notes, and uh, Burgeldorf says uh, that it did not hear back from the state in September regarding the flower and believed the store could sell it. That's a good, good denial. And she also believes the products met the state's testing requirements and noted Iowa's hemp regulations are stricter than what's required under federal law. And meanwhile, Burgeldorf submitted an already approved list of cannabis products for her Ingersoll store, and believes the state should approve them rather than trying trying it to the tying it to the court avenue location. Well, 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 this little hemp C B D store, I can't believe it's called a dispensary, but nonetheless, what do you guys think? <laughs> um can I see the headline on that again? How did they spell dispensary? Uh let me let me let me let me go to that. Give me one second. I will pull that up for you. Dispensary. These people spell it. Let's see. Where did you go, little D article? is for duck, not for dispensary. D E S P E N S A R Y, like Des Moines, Iowa, is how they spelled it. Dis- <laughs> uh, dispensary. Yeah, dispensary. You're gonna put the dis and dispensary and mm-hmm. bring them back to the I from the E. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I mean, listen, this is just another one of those situations where there's, um, you know, product being sold. People are trying to make their dollar off of this movement, right? There's, there's a lot of people trying a lot of things and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of gray area and wiggle room and people are tired of being constrained and told or restrained and, and told that they can't access this plant freely fuck's sake just let us open it up we wouldn't have to be doing all these things that are causing problems we could just legitimately manufacture this plant and mm-hmm. live very very true 
Great points, Mandy. And on that, thank you all for getting high at 9 with us every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big thank yous to our audience and supporters for tuning in daily and listening to the insanity that is the developing cannabis industry. We know you could be anywhere else, so we truly appreciate you spending your time with us. Thank you to our correspondents for being absolutely, truly amazing, and thank you to all of our sponsors. And thank you all for tuning in to High at 9 News. It has been another episode. Today is Monday. What is it? November 20th? 2023 and that's right it is america's number one daily cannabis news show high at nine news